Welcome to Welcome to Primetime, a show covering the Freddy Krueger hosted anthology series Freddy's Nightmares, one episode at a time. I'm Brennan Klein. Every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you. You get one new episode for every donation. Please help us keep going by giving to The Ochre Project, an organization that is working to feed black trans people in need. You can find out how to donate in the show notes. This week's patron is Patrick Fodell, our guest once again from Stop Horror Time and a writer for Pop Culture Beast. It's Kate Graham. Welcome back to the primetime stage, Kate. Hello. Thank you. Um, and yeah, so your show is called Stop Horror Time. It's a combo horror movie slash true crime podcast Yep. that I have also been on. Um, yep. You know, if, if someone needs... As if you needed more reasons to listen to this podcast. If you're a fan of me and Kate together um, and your co-host, Elle, um, yep. we talked about The Birds, and it was honestly such a blast, and I'm so grateful that you invited me to be on the show. Oh, yeah. That, thanks for being on there. That was that was great. <laughs> and obviously, that's your favorite episode, but are there any other ones you would want uh -huh. people to? <laughs> any other ones that like are standouts that you think? Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, I kind of sprung that on you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, probably, but anything that I <laughs> didn't get to plan an answer for ahead of time. You know what? Can I? Th I'm sorry. Let me. Uh, I will have an answer for you by the end of this. How about that? Sounds like a plan. How does I, that sound? Yeah. In, in the pre-show spiel, I definitely did not tell you I was going to say that because I just <laughs> thought of it. So I'm, I'm very proud. No, it's a great um, question <laughs> that I will have an answer for. Perfect. Um, no, honestly, like I totally, I shouldn't have done that to you because I totally get where you are. <laughs> Whenever people ask about a show that I'm doing, I'm like, look, I forget every single thing that I say the second that I hit stop on the record. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what our show sounds like. Um, or anything. I mean, they, could, they should just listen to the birds one. That's, that's a great, uh, star. <laughs> yeah. We did a, if you're really into the insidious franchise, we did all four of them. It's like a four hour episode, but I doubt that's where you would want to start with us. It's just, I mean, it is, if, if you, if where you need to start with an episode is like fully nerdy, beautiful deep dive, then that's exactly where you need to start. But yeah, it, it's definitely a, a, more of an Everesty episode. It, it's mm -hmm. so epic. It's just cause I couldn't choose one. They're, they're all my children and we just decided <laughs> to do all of them. I think that was the right move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're, we've gathered here today to talk about season <laughs> one, <laughs> episode 18 of Freddy's Nightmares, titled The Art of Death. Um, this one aired on March 12th, 1989. Here's what you could have watched instead. Um, I was toying with not mentioning this one, but it's the biggest release of the weekend, and I will bring it up just to say I wouldn't have watched it. It's Woody Allen's New York Stories. Boo. Ooh, no. Um, did you um, see, did you see Kate Winslet finally was like, oh, I shouldn't have worked with him. Like, finally. We're so proud. And that's yeah. probably just because Wonder Wheel didn't make any money. <laughs> and she wants the lesbians to be on her side with her new movie. So she's like, okay, yeah, that Wait, was what's bad. what's this new movie? She, she's in this, like... Oh, God, you haven't heard. Oh, my God. I forgot what it's called. But she's like a paleontologist on, like, the, the beachy shores of some past time. And she, like, falls in love with Saoirse Ronan. And... Oh, okay. I remember... I remember vaguely i've been hearing stirrings about this but i yeah. haven't really been on movie twitter too much recently okay yeah and it's the guy who made um god's own country uh, okay. francis lee yeah it, i'll be there I'm, you know 
I mean, that sounds like, you know, ev- every type of lesbian movie kind of rolled up into one. It is. <laughs> it is. Which is not which is not a diss. <laughs> um, but yeah, what else you could have seen in theaters that weekend? You could have seen uh, Lean on Me and Police Academy 6, City Under Siege. Oh, my God. Um, the writer of this episode is Michael DeLuca, who also co-wrote last episode that we talked about. So you're getting a real Michael DeLuca double feature. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the director is Ken Wiederhorn. He's also directed um, the episodes Freddy's Tricks and Treats, which we talked about with Shan Chalakian, and Sister's Keeper, which we talked talked about with Parker Brennan. Um, there's really no one of note in the cast, necessarily. Except that the uh, the person who plays the Phantom is named Judd Omen, which is a great name. And he was also in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Ooh, who did he play? I should have written that down, but it wasn't no, a name sorry. that I recognized. No, okay. that's fine. I'm, 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 we're coming to it. It's <laughs> One sec. It's the first listing on his IMDb, so it won't be hard to get to. Um, he played someone called Mickey. Does that ring a bell? I'm wondering, because we don't see his face in this, but I'm wondering if he's the guy that, like, um, the, like, the felon in Pee-wee that's, like, he's, like, what did you do? And he's, like, you know that tag on the mattress? I tore it off. But that's just a <laughs> guess. That sounds like a Mickey. Okay, I'm going to look this up. Yeah, because... Do we think someone's I... screaming the answer right now? So. I hope someone is screaming the answer right now. <laughs> um, It's... He's in a car... His name, okay, I, I have pulled up the Pee-wee's is Pee-wee Big and Adventure drag? Wiki. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which this is, is a thing. such a... T- um, Mickey Morelli, played by Judd Oman, is a man who Pee-wee meets when hitchhiking to Texas. Mickey is a fugitive who managed to escape prison after being yes! arrested for committing a crime. Yeah, you're right, that's him. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> and then, and then, like, the, a cop comes, so Pee-wee pretends to be his wife. It's great. Oh yeah. Oh, they're they're uh, under personality. It says Mickey is bad tempered, which was what drove him to commit a crime in the first place. <laughs> Thank you, Pee Wee's Big Adventure Wiki. I'm gonna spend the rest of my night on the Pee Wee's Big Adventure Wiki. Yeah, honestly, the biggest discovery of this entire podcast is that that yeah. exists. <laughs> um. Anyway, so in this episode, starring Mickey from Pee Wee's Big Adventure, mm-hmm. um, we we meet this guy Jack. He's an artist. He likes to draw. He has this constant dream that he's naked in school when he's trying to show his art to Joan, the hot girl that he has a crush on. His best friend, Pete, has a mullet, but somehow it's a mullet that's also long in the front. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's flock of seagulls in the front, flock of seagulls after party in the back. <laughs> um, I It's truly mystifying, but you can also tell that it, is a mullet even though everything's long (laughs) um so he's talking to his friend about these drawings he explicitly has 256 drawings of this woman which is setting off all my red flags yeah (laughs) yeah it's 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 not okay and the best friend pete all he can think about is that he wants to put these cartoons in his underground school paper which is I mean, I res- much respect to this concept, but I don't know who's, like, reading his Springwood High zine. <laughs> um, it's- the way he talks about it, like, a-, a lot, I guess, because he's like, this is going to make a great change in our world, you know, but that could just be him tooting his own horn. Truly, 
he acts like he's J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> the, the mechanics of this underground school newspaper. Um, but so Joan sees him drawing her in the gym, I think, right? Yeah, there's they're all weightlifting. Yeah. He's just drawing Joan when she's on the treadmill. Um, but Joan's boyfriend, Ron, who's a bully, um, he sees this. Or, yeah, he sees that they are, like, connecting. Mm-hmm. And Ron makes the small he's like the queen of england he makes the smallest motion he just waves his hand quietly in the air and summons two beefcakes to lift jack up so he can bully him mm-hmm. and i wish i had that beefcake summoning power <laughs> um <laughs> but you would use it for good not evil right of course okay um depends on what definition of good <laughs> but yes wow um so Obviously, he wants to get revenge on Ron, so he draws a mean comic about Ron and puts it in this underground newspaper that everyone reads, apparently. Um, so he gets himself beaten up for his trouble. Um, we get we go to Freddy in his liminal space. He's painting with his claws and with red ink, which is adorable. Um, he, he says, Jack's about to enter my drawing room. I'm sure he'll find plenty of inspiration. And I, I like the idea that Freddy has a drawing room. Um, maybe that's where he entertains his guests of those two old ladies. Um, I can just imagine him like bringing in his book club and being like, oh, um, I haven't, the drawing room not set up yet, but you can wait in the foyer. I'll have the, the appetizers will be here in a moment. Oh my God. I mean, if I could design like a dream realm, it would have a drawing room. I mean, of course. And I can't even draw. And Daisy from the Great Gatsby would be permanently there with the fluttering white curtains. Yes. Um, okay, so back in, what the hell is this guy's name? Jack. Um, back in his <laughs> drawing room, um, he draws the Phantom, which is a new kind of Punisher-esque Phantom of the Opera character. Um, that mask, dude. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Like, it, literally, they, <laughs> it's literally a Phantom of the Opera mask. It, the... Yeah, it's, it's a Phantom of the Opera mask that just slightly covers more of his face than the Phantom's. But yeah, it, yeah it's, it's like it's like how the mask is supposed to be because like for the if you're thinking about the musical they like made it a side mask instead so that he could like show more emotion in his face but like show more of that Gerard this, Butler face <laughs> oh my god yeah oh, don't get me started but uh <laughs> I I I I want to know if like the design of this character was like someone just already had that mask lying around and that like we can design the character based on this and then just have him show his pecs and maybe he has a hood on i don't know like i feel like that's how this went yeah well i, I bet uh judd omen liked this gig because he did not have to sit in the makeup chair for any amount of time yeah <laughs> um yeah so he puts the drawing up on his wall and then the drawing is empty and the phantom shows up to overact the shit out of every line he says. Um, so he starts talking about how Jack needs to keep drawing him so he can like help him achieve his goals. And he's like, the pen is mightier than the sword. <laughs> <laughs> and he keeps saying like, I am your child. <laughs> it is. Um, the, the, sorry, yeah? Uh, no, I'm just. Yeah, he does say that, doesn't he? Yeah, the degree to which he embraces the father-son role when he's clearly, you know, like a 35-year-old man is when he's the daddy. Like, yeah, it is kinky as hell. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So he 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 tells 
Jack, like, oh, we can get revenge on Ron. You just have to draw him. And so he draws Ron, and he very he pays a lot of attention to Ron's bubble butt in this drawing. Um, it is mm-hmm. the back of Ron running on the treadmill, and Ron looks hot as fuck. Um, <laughs> and then he draws the phantom behind him with this grabby hand. And I'm like, this is – there's – there were always two steps away from a gay porn in this show. God. Um, I regret uh, not bringing you in on one of the more like lesbianic episodes. Cause we've definitely had our share of those as well. Um, oh, sorry. You, know, you win some, you lose some. Um, you gave me Jeffrey Combs. So like, that's honorary. That's fine. Okay, good. He's an honorary lesbian. Yeah. yeah I just, I just declared it. So yeah. Look, I, I trust your judgment. So actually, I have nothing to back that up with. I just love Jeffrey Combs. I well, think that counts. I, I do know that, like, well, this is this is different from lesbianism, but I we we've all, we've all agreed that that Herbert West is a gay icon, right? But like, I know that a lot of trans men love him too, and have like claimed him. But again, that's different. I I need to. Yeah. It, I need that to be clear. <laughs> yeah, he can. Well, and also um, he can be. He can, you know, resonate with different aspects of the queer community. That's allowed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and welcomed yes. because it's Jeffrey Combs. Um, okay, so the Phantom somehow cuts Ron in half by making his treadmill really fast. It's unclear. <laughs> yeah, that's not how treadmills work, bud. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and he does. He clearly does not have that fun little clip that old treadmills had, where. Um, if you got too far off the treadmill and the clip unclipped from you, um, it would automatically turn off, um, which I mm. loved playing with as a child, much to my grandmother's consternation. She's like, you are going to kill yourself on this thing. <laughs> um, okay. So basically he, Pete sees the drawings and he's like, this is going to be great for my paper. It's so edgy. Um, but then he finds out that, you know, Ron actually died in a horrible treadmill accident. <laughs> um, so he takes a drawing away and he's basically gonna, you know, he doesn't want it to see the light of day, but he does run into Joan. Joan happens to see the drawing and she crumples the paper with one hand and uses that same hand to slap him in one fluid motion. And oh, mm-hmm. that that's hot. <laughs> um, <laughs> just the, the elegance of being able to do all of that in, you know, 0.5 seconds. Yeah. Um. So basically, he's he's back in his place. He's basically uh, the Phantom is saying, "Oh, you should draw um, Joan," and he's like, "I am for you. Your talent is for you. This woman too is for you." And I'm like, "Oh no, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. he's making is, him an incel." It's uh, disgusting. Yeah, um, and it's clearly trying to make him be like the quote unquote nice guy. It's like, you might not have brains yeah. and brawn, but you have the talent and the talent will draw her in because it kidnaps her. Um, of course, when he starts to draw her, he draws her in the shower. Cause he's, he's a perv. Um, yeah. And not, not in the complimentary way of the, of how that word could be used. Um, She's also in the school shower, even though she was just sent home for the day, which I, <laughs> another excellent point. Maybe, maybe her water's <laughs> off. Um, okay. So she gets kidnapped from the shower and imprisoned in what everyone says is a tight space, but seems to me to not have a door. Um, <laughs> until the end, because it just seems like she's tied mm-hmm. against a wall, like you know, manacle pirate style. Um, 
but you can still see her. I don't know. And she's like, oh, I hate tight spaces. And I'm like, you don't appear to be in one, but good to know. Um, I guess she knows that it's going to close at some point. That's, that's a good point. She's, you know, she's thinking ahead. This is getting straight A's. Um, <laughs> but basically, look, um, not to skip too far ahead, but we will be experiencing more life with Joan. And yeah. truly, the men in her life are competing in some sort of misogyny Olympics. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the Phantom has kidnapped her. And she's like, why have you? Why are you doing this to me? I haven't hurt anyone. And he's like, you have hurt people. You have neglected to return a look that you yourself have inspired. And it's like, oh, the skin is crawling. Oh, it is. It is rough. And I, I try to give these scripts the benefit of the doubt sometimes where I'm like, hopefully that they, they know that they're not, you know, like promoting this idea because they are putting it in the mouth of like the villain type character. But by the end, I'm like, oh no, this is just being gross. Um, yeah. It's, it's bad. It's real bad. Um, Pete comes to Jack's room. He sees a drawing of the phantom. <laughs> My favorite part about, okay, we need to really dig deep on this whole newspaper thing because he says we could really use this character in our next expose which <laughs> is not i don't i don't know how a fictional superhero would help you know you bring down a school scandal <laughs> um I, kate explain <laughs> I, I i wish i could tell you um i i don't know what this guy's trying to do <laughs> Yeah, I think I think maybe he's just writing short stories and he needs an outlet and doesn't know what a newspaper is. That could be it. Yeah, it could be like you're, you've been calling it a zine. It could be that's more of like what he's doing. But I, yeah, I don't know how you'd tell like news articles with a shirtless phantom Avenger man. Yeah, you'd be like, all right, expose on, you know, the lunch ladies have been using meat from last year. The Phantom discovered this when he was creeping, you know, behind <laughs> the scenes. Um, it uh, continues to be a mystery. Um, but basically, the drawing is sitting on his desk. The drawing explodes. We get some more wet and gushy sound effects as a, a take-on-me mm. style hand pulls him into the desk. Um the desk takes him, transports him to the kind of underground boiler room type world, which we get. This set is used a lot on the show, Kate. <laughs> Just Ooh. kind of like metal sewer-esque tunnels. <laughs> um, but here they represent his, you know, the world of the drawing. Um, and he's trying to erase the phantom, but the phantom's like, you cannot erase your mind. And that's where I'm from, father. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but he does draw a manhole for the phantom to fall down. It takes forever for him to draw this fucking circle with some cross hatching. <laughs> um, and Jack shows up to save Joan. But when he arrives, he's dressed as the phantom um, because he was the phantom the whole time. Dun, dun, dun. Mm -hmm. um, you were the incel. <laughs> the incel was inside you all along. Yup. Um, but he's, he sees up through this, like drawing shaped hole in the roof and he sees his friend um, looking down at the desk. But what he's looking at is a newspaper that says that Jack kidnapped Joan. It's all the, the layers of reality are beyond the comprehension here. We're, we're, we're at Pete's zine level of fiction versus <laughs> fantasy. Um, but so 
it turns out like he really did kidnap Z- Joan thinking that he was the phantom and whatever level of this is in his imagination is, is what it is. Um, but we were back with Freddie. He's like, he painted himself into a corner when he met one of my buddies, which again, more evidence that Freddie has friends, <laughs> which I, I just yeah. kind of like. He's um, friends with the phantom. Yeah. And that's really nice because the, the only other time he's interacted with a villain from one of these episodes is when there was a an axe murderer called the Springwood Chopper that Freddy was kind of uh, dismissive of because he was a lesser killer. Um, oh. So I kind of, I, I think the Phantom would definitely be in his book club. Um, and I guess they gossip about like whatever the Chopper's up to. <laughs> um but yeah so in this we're we go to the second half of the episode we're back with joan which i'm glad because i don't want to spend time with any of these other characters yeah um but now after her horrible ordeal with misogyny and small places um she has nightmares about being buried alive the doctor dismisses her from the the mental hospital and once she leaves there's an evil push in on the doctor's face. Like the camera zooms really close in on him <laughs> as he watches her leave and that goes nowhere. So I don't know why, why we needed this. Oh, I didn't even notice that. <laughs> no, it was very just, much. Yes. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say, I going into this, I, I think I made the mistake of having too high expectations of what this was going to become because I'm like, Oh, Cool. You're like, we're following the survivor. We're going to, like, follow her trauma and explore, like, the aftermath of that and, like, how to do it. And it's like, no, she's just going to go through it again, actually. Yeah, but in a fun, different way. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, no, the, the, the doctor gets a real, I'm in a mystery movie, and the second that someone leaves, I'm going to glare at them oh. as if I have a motive. Um, but it's like, that, that's, not what, that's not what the story is. But, okay. Um, Freddie shows no. up and he, yes. Oh no, oh. I was just agreeing. Yeah, sorry. Um, Freddie does that uh, '80s psychology thing. He's like, "I'm okay, you're okay, but our Joni is skating on real thin ice. I think I'll stick her in a couple of tight places." Um, so basically, what a dick. Yeah, rude. First of all, <laughs> also, I'm unclear on how old Joni is because. She can't have been in the hospital for that long, but somehow she has a roommate who is her age in an apartment. And I'm like, weren't you in high school 12 minutes ago? Um, See, that's what I was trying to figure out in that first one. Cause it, it looked like he was living in a dorm, but they were definitely at high school. Like maybe this is some kind of like, um, charter school or school where you live on campus. I don't know. And that's why they, yeah, I was wondering about that too. Yeah, the Springwood Boarding School. Yeah, that's the na- that's what it's called—a boarding school. I uh, forgot yeah. what they're called. That's okay. We don't thank really you have them here. You know, um, no. that's for fancy people. Um, yeah. But basically, she lives in an apartment with a friend for whatever reason, and this friend is going on a ski trip with her boyfriend. This rude ass friend knows that her friend just got released from the hospital for severe claustrophobia after being kidnapped and locked in a tiny little closet and she's like oh um my mom's calling can you get my skis from the back of this tiny dark closet for me (laughs) (laughs) i just that's not a friend joan and jones i mean the friend's cousin jamie arrives to take her and the boyfriend on the ski trip and immediately asks joan to dinner which again red flag um the, yeah. 
already freaking me out on this. Um, so obviously when she goes into the closet to turn the light off, the door shuts on her and the walls start to close in in a neat effect. It, it looks very nice. <laughs> um, what else? Yeah. And then, oh yeah. So she does get out of the closet and she calls a doctor. She's in desperate need of help. And her doctor has one of those fucking prank answering machines where the answering machine goes, hello. <laughs> and then waits 15 seconds. And he's like, I'm not here right now. Psych. Which for, for someone who is literally, you know, the doctor of a psych ward doing that kind of thing is incredibly problematic. I yeah. like, maybe he is the villain. Maybe that dramatic push in was telling us the truth. <laughs> um, so basically, you know, the, our new competitor in the Toxic Masculinity Olympics, Jamie, shows up again at the apartment. Oh He's like, oh, um, your roommate said I could get a textbook from her. And so she lets him in. But then he starts being really creepy and talking about, you know, her horrible trauma. And he's like, looks at the closet. and He's like, oh, did the did your kidnapper put you in something like this? Did he do things to you? And then he screams at her. He's like, where is it? And she's like, what? And he's like, the bathroom. <laughs> And so it's, it's a lot. It is. <laughs> Dude suck. <laughs> yeah. I mean, true. He's fully at 11 from the second he walks in through the yeah. door. Um, there's a part where he grabs her and she has a really solid acting moment of freaking out and being incredibly uncomfortable with the situation. Yeah. Um, which honestly made me wish she was a worse actor because I was really not enjoying this this moment no this was really hard to watch this at least for me i don't know about you and i think it's her performance is actually genuine um i don't yeah, know like she yeah. genuinely seems like someone who's been through a lot of trauma and is being forced yeah. to relive it yeah and it's like all right um cool 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 yeah um oh you know, and there there are the campy Freddy moments. Like the next scene, he demands that she make him something to eat because you know, also an incel. Um, but he's like, <laughs> but not this crap. And he points at a, a whole roast chicken on the counter, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, what do you want from her? <laughs> so she she pulls out this like cold cheese and meat tray from the from the fridge, um, and he says, ooh, he talks about her little teeth. Um, which is another like super gross misogynistic thing that I hate of when men try to flirt with women by talking about how little and tiny they are. Um, mm -hmm. But she hits him with a bottle as he deserves. Um, and he's lying on the floor bleeding. There's a knock on the door and it's him. He has vanished from the floor. His mullet of evil is in full display. And she calls the doctor. And this again. time he's like, and this time he's like pretending to be nice and that nothing was happening. And it's just like, yeah. So it's like, so confused. Did I imagine this? And it's like, yeah, you did, but also your instincts were right about him being evil. <laughs> yup. Um, she calls her doctor again, but it's just his message answering service. And she's like, I'm losing all touch with reality. And they're like, is that the message you'd like to leave? Like, <laughs> Which that was actually kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then she, Jamie comes in to be evil and creepy again. Mm -hmm. She stabs him in the back, but it turns out it's her doctor, but she faints. And then she wakes up and the doctor and Jamie are pushing her into a morgue drawer. It's all very dream logic-y 
I'm, you know, I won't give it the yeah. compliment of calling it that. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> um, but then her friend arrives home and discovers her in the closet. She's been in the closet all weekend, potentially imagining all of this, unless, um, as she's being wheeled back into the hospital, she's wheeled past herself being discharged from earlier. And I'm like, is this a twist? I don't understand what you're telling I don't, me here. Yeah, I think they just try to find like set pieces and be like this is a twist i think even though, like the one that, like the one you didn't even notice in last last time of yeah, the, the girls being switched i honestly i believe you but yeah that 100 <laughs> percent does not gel with my understanding of that episode they just there's there's doing a twist that's like shocking it and then one that just like doesn't what is this supposed to mean like i genuinely I've mentioned before, like, are these supposed to be morality tales or supposed to mean something? But, like, what is it supposed to mean when you just watch a girl relive her trauma? And, like, this, the insinuation of this ending is just that she's just going to keep reliving it and never get better. And it's like, well, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, this episode was kind of grim. <laughs> it um, is. It, especially considering the tone of everything else. Like, usually it's just, like, I don't know, you said campy, but just, like, also, like, the things... The people that these things are happening to usually kind of suck in some way. And with this, it's just all the men in her life suck. Yeah, which, I mean, is relatable. <laughs> but yeah, but it, it's just, it's maybe it maybe hits too close to home. Like, the, the tone of it, it yeah. mixed with the, like, realistic, just horrible, brutal misogyny of it is like, oh, this is a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I don't know how real you want to get on the show talking about that kind of stuff but it was it was hard to watch like yeah I'm, that I'm, specific piece okay well i'm i'm sorry that no it's <laughs> it's not your fault yeah i didn't know uh yeah but yeah just yeah in tldr this was very harrowing to watch yeah um and then of course it ends with a goofy freddy moment um he's in yeah. a coffin he opens up the door and he's like, what's so sad about being buried alive? Beats being barbecued. And then <laughs> um, he saw on the little uh, timer that he had that he had like 15 more seconds to fill in this bit. And he's like, all right. Um, and then he just clearly improvises, hold my calls. And he closes the lid again. <laughs> um, so that's that's cute. A uh, very flippant way to end this episode. Y yeah. You talk about tonal shifts. Yeah, it, it's 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 whiplash inducing. Um, so yeah, what are your final thoughts here? Was this episode a dream? Was it a nightmare? Or did it put you to sleep? This was definitely a nightmare. I like literally, especially the second part was full on nightmare for me. Yeah, second part full on nightmare. First part is a nightmare just in that it's pretty bad. Yeah, um, I at least appreciate that it's mostly not a bunch of dream nonsense that doesn't fit together like it's loosely linear mm -hmm. um especially the first half mostly it's just like a bad death note kind of story <laughs> oh my god yeah um you know the drawing pad of of murder um but yeah not 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 one of the best episodes they really we're, we're nearing the end of the season here and they are not pulling out all the stops <laughs> did they uh, like start out good at all um my only reference i listened like the, to the one you did with joe and that was a later episode too so i don't know if um it did not start out 
particularly good, but they're, I, I would say a lot of the better episodes were front loaded. Um, okay. I'm hoping that they can kind of sweep in towards the end with a good finale of some kind. But yeah, so far the, this middle part has been pretty brutal. Oh, well, yeah. What are you going to do? All right, Kate, where can everybody find you out there on the internet? <laughs> One more time. Oh yeah. You can find me, my, my personal Twitter is at Dyke Madden on Twitter and then stop horror time is at horror time pod on twitter you can find us where you get your podcasts and then you can find my writing on popculturebeast.com as well you should and just a reminder every episode is brought to you by donations from listeners like you please help us keep going by donating to the okra project you can donate through the link in the show notes take a screenshot of your receipt and send it to w2ptpod at gmail.com or dm it to me on social media you can find me on twitter at its raining brands and instagram at the burning clem our artwork was created by Henry Hall. If you'd like to support trans artists, and you should, you can send him a commission at henryhall.design. Our theme song is Living in a Dream by Pseudo Echo. Rate and review us wherever you get us. Next episode, where Kate will not be joining us, probably much to their delight. Um, oh, it's called... Whoa! No, I, I liked being here! Hey! Oh, no, no, no. Okay. <laughs> much to your delight that you don't have to watch any more episodes. Okay. Is that fair? <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. Um, this next episode is titled Missing Persons. A college student returns to her childhood home to babysit two monstrous children who have a penchant for junk food. Meanwhile, a man wishes that he could spend a day in the life of someone else. So, you know, very focused plotting here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, until next time, thank you so much, sweet dreams, and thank you again, Kate, for joining us. No problem. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs>